Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At B98.5, we live and work in Atlanta just like you. And it's important to know what's going on in our community and how we can help make it even better. Welcome to B98.5's Be in the Community. Good morning. It's Kara from the Ted Drex and Kara Show. The heart is one of the most important organs of the body. And unfortunately, every year, thousands of infants are born with a congenital heart defect. It's one of the main causes of death during the first year of life. And that's why Congenital Heart Defect Awareness Week was created, and it's going on right now, which leads me to the introduction of my guests today. Good morning, Erin and Tara. Good morning. Erin is with the American Heart Association. What is a congenital heart defect? So a congenital heart defect, or what we consider a CHD, is when someone's arteries and blood vessels connected to their heart are not formed properly when they're first born. You usually don't always discover them while you're pregnant. Mm. Um, They're usually more apparent once the baby's actually born because they go through a series of tests. That's typically how they're able to find what it is. And with the way that technology is now and the research that's been done, uh, they're easier to catch. So those numbers of babies being born with CHDs are dwindling down a bit because we're able to catch whatever it is. And some of them have to go straight into surgery Mm -hmm. because they have one that is extremely critical. And this is something that will affect them throughout their entire life. Like it's not something that you can have a surgery and all of a sudden, oh, I'm great, except for maybe even with a heart transplant. And even then, once you've had to have a Mm -hmm. transplant, that puts you in a whole nother. And also a probability of you, again, maybe needing another transplant, too, because they're lasting a little bit longer than they have before. You can get about 10 to 15 years out of a transplant now, but it's devices like the LVAD in which basically a heart pump. Um, So those are helping people to survive and continue to live while they are dealing with any heart issues that they may have. I can't even imagine a child having to have a heart transplant. Do you have to have another child's heart? Do they put an adult-sized heart in a child? I know that it grows with you throughout your life. So It just depends because sometimes depending on an adult's size, you know, if an adult is of a smaller stature, Mm -hmm. it could possibly fit with a child's heart. So it just depends on the person's stature. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's incredibly scary to have to go through that as a parent. You think about becoming a parent in general, it's an adjustment, especially if you're a first-time parent. But having to deal with concerning yourself around their CHD and any diagnosis and prognosis, continuous appointments and follow-ups mm-hmm. and things like that, it can be very stressful and, and really taxing on your mental well-being for sure. And, Tara, you're a mom of a six-year-old boy who is a heart survivor. Yes. How did you find out that there was a problem? When was this discovered? So it's kind of a wild story uh, all the way through it. And we didn't know in utero that he had a challenge. And it wasn't until day three after his birth, we were preparing to be released and discharged from the hospital. And during a shift change early in the morning, it was a nurse who came in who looked at him and said, hang on. How long has he been breathing like this? How long has he looked like this? And immediately I perked up and thought, like what? 
you know, he just came back from the nursery, from doing testing. We thought he was just sleeping, everything was okay, and turned out he was limp and lethargic. And from there, our journey unfolded. And nobody had recognized this in the previous days after he was born? It was just kind of a special nurse that knew what to look for or saw the signs and threw up the red flag? Yes. So at my 25-week appointment, I went in. I thought I would just do normal checkup. Everything would be great. Then all of a sudden, there was a concern in the face from my doctor and said, there was a heart murmur. That day, I had to go to a specialist and do a further check, had them do an echocardiogram and take a look and say, today's a good day. You're getting good news. Things look good. The person next to you, they're not receiving great news. So Mm -hmm. you're very lucky. Well, then after birth on day three, come to find out maybe we weren't as lucky with that news as we right. thought and off the hook. It was interesting because I asked the question of, hey, since there was a little concern in the beginning, should we do a follow-up? Should we do a double check? And everything was in the clear. Nope, you're good to go. Congratulations on your baby. Wow. Yes. So on that day three, that was very scary and almost <laughs> you know traumatizing to hear that something's going on. Can we take your baby back? We need to take an extra look at some things. And when he was born, he did have low blood sugar. So we were already keeping an eye on that. Mm-hmm. But I never imagined the thought of someone walking in asking me about my family's history, but especially my family's heart history. Mm -hmm. And I had a father that died unexpectedly at 53 of a heart attack. Oh, wow. So as soon as that question is asked, you're just put into a place of a pool of emotions. And from there, you don't know what to expect. You don't know what to ask. You're just sitting in a bed after having a baby waiting to hear something. I know there are different levels of congenital heart defects and there are different defects. So Mm -hmm. what was the specific diagnosis for your baby? So we had a further look and he had to stay overnight. He was not able to come home with us. So as they did their testing throughout the night, they had another look and another specialist come in the following day when we thought we were going to be able to leave that day. And Axel was actually transported by ambulance to the hospital at Eggleston. And from there, we found out that he had coarctation of the aorta. He also had a bicuspid valve and he had a VSD. Oh, my gosh. So three different defects. Was there anything to be done to repair this? After we left the hospital the following day from Eggleston, we were told that we needed to follow up with a cardiologist. We were 80% in the clear of possible surgical intervention. So we had a lot of hope, like, okay, we'll do a follow-up. We'll get things looked at a little bit more closely. And then we went to the follow-up, and the office was actually closed because we were having uh, tropical storm weather. Mm. So his appointment was pushed back another few days. Oh, my gosh. And it was that appointment where it seemed like things were taking a little longer than usual. We were there probably two and a half, three and a half hours and so you're waiting, and you have a, basically an infant who's getting fussy, yeah. and you're saying, oh, it's, it's taking longer than the last appointment. Mm-hmm. And then the cardiologist walks in and says, I've spoken to the staff at Eggleston. They're preparing a room for you. You need to go down after you leave this room. And I thought, what do you mean? What's going on? Right. And the only thought that came to mind was surgery. He needs surgery. Yes, and he needs it right away. Mm. So Axel then became a case where he was penciled in for heart surgery in the next few days. And as you know, sometimes transplants come in, which are higher level. So he did get pushed back again on the day of his actual surgery. And so it really just 
when you think about becoming a parent and then you think about all the things that go along with that, right? you don't imagine all of the questions and flying by the seat of your pants in an emergency situation. Right. And sometimes when that happens, you're just thinking of what's in front of you at the moment. Mm -hmm. So it was very scary. It was extremely emotional. And there wasn't time to look something up on the Internet. You just went. And what was happening Mm -hmm. was happening. And how old was little Axel when he actually had these surgeries? He was six weeks old. And you're still trying to recover from having a baby. And here you are like trying to nurse yourself back to health as well as figuring out what's going on with your son. Right. And I also have a nine-year-old daughter now at home. And so getting a baby brother that's big and exciting that will be a transition. And then all of a sudden you're a mom with two children, but with one that you've never been away from for more than a few days at a time. Right. And here you are, you're transitioning into a different lifestyle, a new Mm -hmm. journey right at the beginning with no warning. At the American Heart Association, one of the things that we try to put out into the community is when we're asking people to support us is for research because those advancements are what are allowing babies to continue to live when they're born with a CHD. So about 1 in 40,000 occur with babies who are born with a CHD. And of those, about 25% require that critical surgery because they're considered to have a critical congenital heart defect. And so in Tara's case, particularly with Axel, he was of that 25% that had to go into surgery to continue to save his life. What is care looking like now that we're six years old? Are we thriving and growing as expected? We are definitely thriving, which I am extremely grateful for. It has taken a lot of support to get him to the place he's in. Mm -hmm. When you think about something going on, obviously you think the financial side, the cost, the Mm -hmm. care, the appointments, because for so many years, especially the first two years, we just lived a life of appointments. I mean, I was at a specialist at least three times a week. Yeah. And in between that, he was getting sick. So I'm so thankful that there are people in this world that have a passion to pursue the research and advancements for the opportunities for these children to have better survival rates. Oftentimes, I'm not that person that's going to have the outcome that I had. There are parents that have the scary horror Mm -hmm. stories. And when I go back and think about the journey from the beginning, I remember a charge nurse that came by the room when things were happening, but nobody was providing me specifically answers. Everyone was just working on what was going on. And she said, you were being discharged today. The paperwork had already started. If you had gone home with him, it's sad to say, but he likely wouldn't have survived (gasps) if someone didn't have the experience to say, let me take a closer look at this baby. Mm -hmm. And so reality sets in. And it's still just thinking about those words gives me the chills and makes me want to cry because it is such an emotional thing having a baby. And as you said, recovering from that. Mm -hmm. But then when you realize the high level of how serious serious your situation is, Mm -hmm. it just puts everything into perspective for you as a parent. And you talked about support. What kind of support was given to you specifically in your family? Because having a child that has a medical need like this and that manifests itself so quickly, that puts you in a space where I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on. Did the American Heart Association, were they able to help you guys find resources or some kind of support for you and your family? For so many years at school, whether it's like a kid's heart challenge or a jump rope for heart, you remember, 
oh my goodness, there's resources out there. I know this, but you never think that you're going to be that person that has to look for them and need them and Mm -hmm. rely on them. So we have tapped into the American Heart Association and they are a wealth of knowledge for these resources. They have come so far in their organization to provide these things at literally at your fingertips, at a click, at a phone number. And they have pieced together all of these different programs to help families like ours living with congenital heart defects and adults with congenital heart defects to have a place to go to, to find more research, to find resources to connect them to the things that they need. So I am really thankful for that type of support. And I hope that people really take a closer look at people living with these congenital heart defects because it is a program that is greatly underfunded. And if we didn't have places like the American Heart Association, if we didn't have organizations like Kids at Heart through Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, I don't know that we would have as much of the support that we have needed and still need today. Mm-hmm. Because it's an ongoing thing. It is. It is a life journey. And I think one of the things that has been a challenge for us is you look at a little boy and you see their face. You see them get up and be able to move around and do the things that kids should do. And it's simple for someone on the outside to look in and say, I see him. He looks great. He's thriving. He's fine. It is wonderful to see those things and hear those things. But what they don't see is the daily life, the daily walk, those five years that we've been on this journey of living appointments, having insurance adjustments, asking questions. Hey, can I Mm. give this medicine for my child? Hey, my child has a plethora of different things now. And with cardiac and congenital heart defects, oftentimes there's a focus now on the neurodiversity with children living with these. Mm. There are developmental disabilities that come along with this. Like Mm -hmm. my son has ADHD. He has three different sensory processing disorders. He has hypotonia, which is a weakness of muscles in the body. So some cases you think, okay, I've had the opportunity to have the surgery. The surgery is what's going to keep him moving forward and have a plan for his future. But also, I have a whole world of different things and complexities that I have to look at and care for as well. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. just a complete life change. And I often think about putting myself in someone else's shoes. My son is able to get up and play soccer. And for me, I'm not the parent that can sit and watch him play soccer because he's either running off the field, he's all over the place. (laughs) But I'm also mindful of people that are sitting in that hospital chair, Mm. lying in that uncomfortable position that's living the life of specialists walking in day in and out, not sleeping, being away from their families because some people spend months in the hospital in those chairs. Some people are living on a prayer every single day hoping that their situation will change so that they can see those children get up and go to that soccer game. Mm. And uh, I'm getting choked up because it really is so hard. Yeah. And you live and hope every single day that you're going to have another day. Right. And you Mm. never know when that's going to shift because even though you have these great advances, you have these fixes, you're reminded that they are just fixes. Right. Sometimes they're temporary. You hope that they're long term. And you hope every birthday holiday that comes by that it is not your last. Mm. So when you go to these cardiac appointments, you're walking in thinking, am I going to have anxiety today? Am I going to have a sense of peace because he looks great? But you also realize that I'm going to get 50% in one direction of news today. Mm. And also their support is just 
critical because in Tara's case, she's constantly living with Axel and making sure that he's okay. But there are some where we have another story where a child was born with a CHD and she got the surgery and she's living perfectly fine. But in the future, she may require open heart surgery. So living with that as a parent, because you're thinking about when is well, what activity drop? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And what other activities can they be in? Because I don't want them to overexert themselves right. or hurt themselves and cause even more complications. So it's something to think about. And then having to tell a child, no, you can't play soccer. No, exactly. you can't play football. Mm-hmm. No, you can't go and run around right. on the playground like all the other kids. Like mm-hmm. I can't even imagine having to have that discussion with a child that doesn't know why. They don't understand why. Right. It's just what they've lived. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And there are many families that we know personally that have those stories where they have to have the medications to keep their heart rate at a specific pace. And there are children that we know that also have pacemakers that are keeping them going. Mm -hmm. So there is a world of things that we can discuss and talk about and focus on. And like I said, you just never know when something's going to change. Mm -hmm. And there are some children that are getting such a limited life the limited experiences and it makes me so thankful but it also puts me in a position to say you know what I know families that are walking through really hard and we've done really hard for a while but I also realize that they may not have the energy they may not have the time to speak up and to help reach out to Mm -hmm. give those resources or to provide the support that they need or that someone else in their family needs to help support them. So it has become very important to me, not just as a mother, but as a friend, as a daughter, to share a story. Because even if it's just one person that has a connection or is tapped into the story that I have to share, at least I know that someone's walking away with a sense of hope, but also a sense of feeling supported. Because this journey can feel so isolating And you go through the trenches, you go through the waves, and sometimes you have quiet times. And sometimes your quiet turns into total chaos. You never know what you're going to need at any moment. Quiet times turning into chaos. I can totally see that because this is kind of a silent thing that you're not so much aware of. I don't think people take into consideration heart and cardiac issues because they just don't know. They wake up every day and they say, oh, I feel fine. And they go about their day and then something traumatic happens and they discover something like this. Right. Because it doesn't have a face. Right. right? You can't tell that if you see Axel to this day, we had a chance to meet him earlier this fall and a kid that's just so happy. He was showing me all of his toys and things that you would never think that Tara and her family went through all of this with such a beautiful baby boy. And what is Axel's prognosis for the future? He's at a great place now, Mm -hmm. and we're hopeful that things continue into the direction that he's in right now. But we also realize because of his bicuspid valve that when he turns into double digits and birthdays, that that could be a shift in how his valve functions. Mm. So, for example, he could have mild symptoms, he could have serious symptoms, and he could require either a ballooning or an open heart surgery. I can't sit here and have this story without talking about another family that's close to us because I met another family that has the same defects as Axel. They went into a checkup and then they thought they were going to walk out like, okay, she's been great. We've been mild. We're probably just going to walk out, say, okay, we'll see you next year. And it turned into they were putting the child on a transplant list. (gasps) It just gives you chills to think about those things. And I know when I look at Axel, how much of a walking miracle that he is and how much of a testimony to our faith in 
what we believe in spiritually. For us, it's God. For us, it's our community. Mm. How fortunate we have been, but how serious, how your life can change in Mm -hmm. a matter of a moment. Right. Now, do we know if this was a genetic thing? You said that you had a family history. Is congenital heart disease, is it always a genetic thing? Is it a family history issue? It can be mm-hmm. a genetic challenge, and it can be also just something that happened. Mm-hmm. So on both sides, mm-hmm. and that's why they're trying to continue the research to find more about it and try to offer information to families to pursue those things mm-hmm. um, because sometimes you just never know what can happen. Right. You never know, yeah. And then also just being aware of your family history can mm-hmm. kind of help you prepare for those things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you know you have a family history of heart disease or stroke or anything like that, it empower you to figure out the best way to live your lifestyle from a heart-healthy standpoint. And then from there, you can reduce the risk and the chances of potentially having a child with a CHD or um, any type of heart condition or disorder. What resources are out there that people who may be living with a child with a CHD can go to? With the American Heart Association, we have a support network. And so it's composed of families with children who has a congenital heart defect and even adults who are born with a congenital heart defect. And um, essentially, we provide resources as far as from a local standpoint, support groups locally that are connected to the AHA that you can connect with to find out different pediatricians, different Mm -hmm. specialists to go to, and also connecting you with that mental well-being piece of different practitioners that you can go to from a mental wellness standpoint to get guidance uh, in that realm and also just connecting you to other families in your area who may have a child um, who experienced a CHD uh, that can help you almost like a focus group and and advocacy group learn about different laws that can be passed and legislation Mm -hmm. connected to CHD when it comes to research and in your county and community Um, but also just having people locally that can Uh, attest to what you've been through. Right. Someone to commiserate with. Exactly. Exactly. And just learn more about the different steps, because even within that support group, you may have a parent who just had a baby who was born with a CHD. But then you also may have a parent whose child is a teenager now and they can give Mm. you from their perspective, you know, well, my child was born with the same condition and this is how they progressed. And here's what I did to get them through that process. Here are the challenges that I face. Exactly. You may want to get a jump on. Things like that. Because I know for us, we provide the technical background of, you know, what it is, how it functions, and things that we've um, been able to do to correct the congenital heart defect. But there's nothing better than connecting you to people who may have experienced Mm -hmm. it or already are experiencing it so you can talk to them and talk through it. Not only is it a very scary thing to have to go through, but to not have someone that is kind of been through that journey as well to talk to like it's one thing to talk to doctors and nurses and get all of the factual things right right when it comes down to the daily this is the struggle that we go through every day this Mm -hmm. is what you need to be aware these are things that you need to look out for exactly to have someone that has kind of been there and walked in those shoes is a huge resource beyond what the nurses and doctors and medical professionals can provide yes it really takes a village And when you find your people, your people become such a strong support system. And I have been fortunate to meet other heart families, and that has really carried us through a lot of things. Um, 
find your people and you love them hard. Mm -hmm. And there are people on this journey that have become like honorary family members to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of the resources and the information that is out there to help connect those families is such a big deal because it's changing your path for your future, but it's letting you know that you don't have to be so isolated in what you're feeling and what you're going through. Right. We're always grateful for our volunteers who can share the story because, you know, they're the face of our community. And so I I really appreciate you, Tara, being so open and sharing your story. And I just want to encourage other families that may be walking into this journey for the first time or may know someone that has been on the journey to keep sharing those stories. Because while I might seem put together today, It is a daily Mm. challenge. There are things that come up, whether it be school situations, the social-emotional component, needs for school. That is a challenge and a beast all on its own. And it's really important to keep sharing because, like I said, today I have the strength to be here and to present this information, to share a little bit of our story. But I also understand that it is beyond hard Mm. sometimes engulfs your entire life yeah and sometimes you're only thinking in the right now and it becomes very hard to see what will be in the future so I always tell people hold on to that little light even Mm. if it's dim today there's always going to be a light right and if you can keep looking in that flame and see that it's going to get larger then you know that you're in the right direction and you hold on. That's a little flame, that little piece of hope, the little energy that you have. There will be someone else around you to help carry you through it. Mm. So never be afraid to reach out. Never be afraid to ask someone the right questions. You have to keep going. You have to keep moving forward. And in the days where it feels like you're in the deepest trenches, there is hope surrounding you. How can people get in touch with you guys and and get the resources that they need if they're listening to this and they say, oh, my gosh, this is me. I, I can see myself in this story. I have family members that are going through this. My child is going through this. Mm-hmm. Where are the resources that, that they could reach out for? Yeah, for us, um, you know, you can go to heart.org. And on there, there's an area where you can click on congenital heart defects or CHD. And you can tap into the resources that give a further explanation as to what they are and also that support network as I stated before Um, and then if you're local to Atlanta you can always send us an email at atlanta at heart.org and we will gladly connect you to whatever you're looking for and and get everything you need thank you ladies so much for coming in and talking to us thank you so much everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.